Well, we had a uh, wonderful privilege to spend some time in Panama, uh, particularly with Clip, and uh, fantastic week, fantastic guys. Jack, you look good. He, uh, Jack had an interview today, so that's the reason he's dressed up and made me look bad. Um, but we had a fan, fantastic week, and each one of us are going to kind of share some of the things that stood out to us. I think for me, in particular, mine was a, maybe a little different uh, than theirs to some degree. Uh, for me, it was the first time I had the opportunity to go on a trip with my son, Noah, and um, so that was an amazing opportunity, and uh, just to get to be with him up in the mountains and in the villages and things, and uh, I sensed at times he was a little nervous here and there, so it's just neat to get to be with him in this in that type of environment. It was also great for me to be able to be, spend some time with Russ again. I've been with Russ in Costa Rica um, before, but I love him to death. And actually, this whole trip came about uh, because of Noah. Uh, about three years ago, Noah was with Russ in Costa Rica, and and they really built a, a good relationship. And Russ said, in three years, when he turns 13, can carry a pack, he's going with me to the mountains. And uh, so all this really came about as a result of that. Just an amazing opportunity to spend with Russ. Um, if you know him, he's a missionary of ours here. And he, uh, oh man, the guy's full of energy. Never stops, never slows down. Bold as all get out when it comes to sharing the gospel and his... Uh, his faith, and so um, just a phenomenal opportunity to see him in his environment, um, to see how he works, and so he's definitely the real deal as a uh, missionary, but also for me, a special time is getting to stay with, uh, spend some time with Clip. Uh, most of you know, but our, who's our youth minister for close to 17 years, um, and he's one of my best friends, and uh, I tell you, I left there really kind of feeling guilty um, because I really haven't reached out to Clip like I should have. And now, having been there and seen kind of what they're doing, and I mean, it's lonely. I'm telling you, it's a, a lonely place, particularly when you've been some five months now. And uh, Mary and Isaac oftentimes are at home by themselves and clips out running around talking to pastors and different things. And so gave me a whole new perspective and I hope to be a better, uh, a better friend uh, to Clip after seeing the things that they're doing. And it blew my mind, man, how good Clip could speak Spanish. Um, I should have known of all people, Clip. I joked with Clip while he was in language school. I, I told Clip that he was probably correcting his instructors, their grammar. I uh, wouldn't doubt it at all. Uh, but he spoke really, really well, a lot of uh, really confident. And so it was a, pretty neat to get to see that, uh, too. You know, having been on countless mission trips all around the world, I've learned that uh, when you're going on a mission trip, you've got to be flexible because just because they have you have plans, that means nothing. Everything changes. And you, so you just got to go on the fly. What will be will be. And, and so we got to experience that as well, particularly due to the weather. We, we hiked, I don't know, we were what, five, 6,000 feet, give or take. And uh, the church that we were staying in, 
sat literally on the side of the mountain and the wind blew. Russ had never seen anything like this either. The wind blew constantly hard all day long, um, never stopped. And, and even the locals said this wasn't normal per se. Um, but it blew and blew to the point that that's the reason we ended up having to leave a night uh, when we lost one night because of it was blowing the, the roof apart. At night, I would lay there with my flashlight and watch the roof go in and out thinking it was going to collapse. I mean, it was like nothing that I had ever personally seen in my life. Kind of scary. I was glad we finally decided to leave. But the weather there, period, it's, it's always changing. Hot, 95 degrees, here comes the cloud, it rains, cools down, it's cold, you take your, you put on a jacket, about the time you put it on, it blows by, the sun comes back out, you dry instantly, you're hot, you take your jacket off, and there comes another rain cloud. And it is like that all day long. And so again, this was something that Russ had never got to experience either was weather like this. And so it was a pretty tough trip, yet we still got to do some hikes, um, got to go up into the mountains. Noah and I got to go about 10, 10 and a half miles. Jack and Nick went on a different track and they were about 13 miles and got to, um, Noah and I had the opportunity to go to a village and uh, amazing. We handed out the messengers, uh, our church supplies, buys and supplies a lot of these for Russ, the, their audio Bibles. They also have messages and things on them in Spanish. And so we handed out close to a hundred of those, got to share the gospel in several, several different homes. Um, and Noah and I were offered corn water and uh, there's a picture here of a bowl, and that's what it is, and it was terrible. And uh, I drank it. The guy with us drank it. My son, <laughs> he was, uh, it was funny to watch him pretend to drink water. Um, but uh, it, was, it was definitely, uh, definitely nasty to, uh, to say the very least. But we also had the opportunity to share the gospel with one lady in particular, and in this village that we were in, very few people had, had ever been there outside of the Indians. And I uh, got to sit down with a lady. And it's always so exciting when you share the gospel with someone. And, and, and they tell you, I've never, ever heard the name of Jesus in my life. Um, that's something. I mean, around here, that's, that's hard to do. And so just to have that opportunity to share the gospel with people that never heard the gospel, I was excited for myself, but even more so for my son and for these other guys to get to um, experience and, and be a part of, of something like that. I'm, I'm going to turn it over to them in just a second, but I also, while I have the chance, again, I always want to do this when I can. Thank you. I, I thank this church from the bottom of my heart. Um, all of mine and Anna's support comes through this church for the most part, a large portion of it from individuals and Sunday school classes and the church as a whole. And I thank you so, so much because there's no way to do the things that we do uh, without, uh, without the gifts that you guys give to us. And we really appreciate it. Um, the ministry here in Saudi Daisy is going well. And I even thought this morning... Uh, I met with a young man at 6 o'clock this morning at Carl's Family Restaurant in Hickson. And um, 
22 years old, and I truly believe he became a, a Christian, became a follower of Christ this morning there. And this afternoon, when I was trying to think through what, what I was going to say, I'm thinking not only is this church reaching people locally, and I'm talking about college students in particular, not only are you reaching people locally, um, but around the world, globally. And, uh, and so I definitely appreciate what you guys do for us. Jack, take it away. Yeah. Put it up close. Okay. So one of the things that I had noticed on this trip that um, something that just honestly changed the way I view things is when Alex, who's a native of Costa Rica, he came down and he started teaching. And he spoke English and Spanish. And so he was able to talk to us on the walk down. Um, we reached this pavilion type area below the first village. And when he was speaking, he spoke with a passion that was just extraordinary. But some of the things that he was saying just struck me like, these people in these conditions have totally different um, perspectives on what being saved comes with, like what challenges, you know, why they would, their desire to be saved. It has nothing to do with their surroundings. They don't, they don't, care that they're living in the conditions that they're living in, which for me would be pretty unbearable. I, I could not imagine living where they lived, and yet the generosity and everything that just was a part of their culture was something that was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Um, and what really got me is when, when Alex was talking, he started telling them it didn't matter who you were, God sees you all as equal. He said, you could be the president of Panama, the president of the United States, God loves you all. And um, Russ had clarified that for us sometime earlier in the day. And what he said was, one of the greatest challenges to reaching the natives here was that they didn't believe they were worthy of God's love. They didn't believe they were worthy of anything. And so they were like, who, why would God care about me? And um, that's something that just, for me, was like, I mean, I couldn't imagine that because being in America, I grew up with the opposite problem where I just believe, oh, I'm, I'm God, not, um, not that I'm not worthy. I was worthy of everything in my own view. Um, that was incredibly foreign to me. And uh, one of the other things that I really saw on this trip, especially when Russ was talking, was that we would go out to a place and just buy acts of God, we would end up in different locations. Like We had never explored these areas before. Russ had never been there. Alex had never been there. And yet, every turn, God was just directing our paths and using us and just reaching these people. And one of the days when the hiking didn't go as expected and we were leaving the church, we went to a small village and there was a woman there who was saved. Um, and I was not present for that. Nick was, and I'm sure he'll tell you more about that. But when I heard that, I was thinking our path was changed so dramatically and it resulted in salvation for an individual. God can reach whoever he wants. Like he will use us if we're willing. Um, it doesn't matter where you are. Like um, he will reach those who cry out to him. Uh, I thought that was amazing. First off, I would like to thank Russ for letting us get to go on this trip because he really made an impact on my life when we were in Costa Rica. 
So I just want to thank you, Russ, if you're watching. And the church that we stayed at was that metal building. And uh, it was it was pretty scary. <laughs> the wind was blowing. But like my dad said, the roof was coming in. And not only was it coming in, it was my hammock was set up on one of the walls. And so every time the wind would blow, my hammock would shake back and forth. And I'd fly back and forth. And I woke up one morning and my hammock was on the ground. And so it was, so that was the house that we stayed at. Uh, and well, the hike that we went on, it was a very long hike. And I'm not used to walking that much because I, I just, hiking is not really my thing. I hunt a lot stuff but I don't really hike that much and the bridges that we crossed they were at the beginning of the hike so I was like oh this is really cool and I get to like go and walk across some cool bridges but it was like wires the wood had fallen out and we were walking on wires over this huge like it was not big but those water and rocks and the guy told me right before I went across he goes there's no emergency room and if you fall you're hurt <laughs> and so I was that scared me um, about that water that my dad was talking about I so wish that I would have drank the water and I would do anything to go back because I, I just I'll probably never get another opportunity to drink corn water <laughs> and I really am sad that I didn't get to do that and if y'all have talked to my mom recently, because she's told about everybody, I almost flew off a cliff. We were walking, and there was one side was just a dirt wall, and then the other side was a bluff. And the wind was blowing so hard, they picked me up off my feet, and I was flying off. And my dad grabbed me and pulled me back on, or I would not be here right now. And uh, he pulled me back on. And we had to lay on the ground for like 30 seconds, and the, it hurt so bad because the sand was hitting our arms. And Ethan was the guy that was with us. Alex was with them, but Ethan was with us, and he was just, I mean, I've never in my life, he was such a godly man, and he flew airplanes in to these places and delivered Bibles where cars could not go. And he said he built the airplane himself. It took him three years to save up the money to buy it and three months to get his pilot's license. But he flies and he lands at these little places and he delivers these Bibles that nobody else can because you can't get cars back there. And me and him talked about the whole way back and we just became really close. And his son was named Noah and he was talking about how he like plays on the trampoline and stuff. And he said that I will never get to go to his house because of the trampoline. Um, and so that's really all I got to say. Nick? Well, <laughs> they've covered a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so just like everybody said so far, the wind was incredible. Like, never even seen or heard of anything like that I mean we've got our hammocks like Noah was saying hung up on these walls and you're sitting there and the wind blows and your hammock just goes <laughs> the walls flex and it's just unbelievable but um what set the pace for the whole hike the long day that we had like the 13 miles because we weren't on the sissy hike of 10 miles um <laughs> what's really set the pace was we're out walking and Russ has got this stick and all of a sudden we're watching the natives 
and um, one of the native, the Indians that was with us, he grabs the two small children, he pulls them away, and Russ takes his stick and kills a coral snake. And he's like, well, <laughs> we're in the jungle now. <laughs> and so we went off down the mountain to the village, like uh, Jack was talking about, to uh, where Russ and Alex were uh, speaking to all the people. And there were 25 people there, and Russ and Alex both tag team, gave a full message, and they had uh, the bracelets with the black, white, yellow, green, and red that represents the plan of salvation. They gave them to all the kids, and it's just really, really great to get to watch Russ just work. You can just tell this is what Russ is made for. Like, it is so great to watch. And um, I lucked out being able to be in the car with him during one part, just me and him, and we went up uh, ahead of Clip Van and Jack, and. Uh, he was talking to this lady in the store uh, that was up there out in the middle of nothing. There's a paved road there, but it's not like there was anything the paved road went to. And um, he was just talking with this lady, and she seemed real responsive. I've got no idea what they're saying, of course, but um, she accepted Christ through Russ's message, and he gave her the Gospel of John and gave her three of the messengers, and she said that she was going to pass them out to people in the that were coming from some of the remote villages that we didn't have a chance to go to. And um, then we went on further down the paved road and we come to another store and Russ was able to talk with the people in that store and he gave them a whole stack of messengers and the store owner was just extremely energetic to have the opportunity to be able to share what it was Russ had gave him. And none of these people had ever heard the name of Jesus before. It's just amazing to get to watch and um, like I said, just watching Russ work was awesome. We gave one guy, his name was Ernesto, a ride <laughs> just in the car down the mountain. And when we pulled over to where he was going to get out to walk, Russ started asking him questions in Spanish and led him to the Lord as well. And he took two messengers and a whole stack of Gospels of John and was going to go back down into his village equipped with at least six mess sermons and the whole New Testament that could be spoken to them. And like, it's just really great to get to watch Russ work and an encouragement to know all the good that they're doing and are enabled to do through the giving of our church here. And um, yeah, it was just really powerful to get to watch that and get to interact with the natives. One thing that really spoke to me was um, there's a fella named Al Nand he was one of the uh, Indians there, and I asked him, I was standing with Clip, and Clip was talking to him in Spanish, and I said, ask him if he's got any prayer requests. And this guy's dad was the pastor of the church we were staying in, and his dad was apparently quite sick as well. Um, but his two prayer requests were, help me to be diligent in praying and to build my faith with Christ. And just to see somebody in the scenario that they're in, you'd think, well, pray for, you know, basic needs or pray for provision or for health or anything of like that. And what he chose to have, or, you know, when I asked him uh, what his choice was, is diligence in his walk with Christ and a good prayer life. That's just spoke volumes. You talking about God directing uh, Talk, I'll tell them also just real quickly about the kids that you guys ran into, the, the food. 
things, just their situation. Oh, so one of the families that we met on the way down, um, I think it was between the first and second village, um, we were walking down towards the valley, and this is really far out there, and we come across this house, and I mean, it's, it's really just another one of their, just a small shack, and we knock on the door, and typically they're very welcoming, so you just walk up to their front door all over their uh, plot of land there, and they're very open to you just coming up to their door, and this little girl opens it. She must have been like maybe 11. Um, she opens the door and uh, Alex asks her, are your parents home? Is anyone home? And, and they're like, no. He goes, well, how many people do you have with you? And she said, well, six. I think it was six. Yeah, six kids in this house alone. Both of their parents, um, according to Alex, were probably off in another country working. Um, and they would probably be gone all day, if not longer. And these kids were left to fend for themselves. And Alex then turns around after a couple of seconds of talking with them and asks me if I have any food in my pack. And he says, because they're hungry, they don't have any food. And so we gave them um, what we had left. It was a, a bag of trail mix. And their faces just lit up. And they were just, they were so happy and so thrilled that we had just walked in. And just to see, like, those kind of conditions are daily occurrences for them where their parents would both have to leave all six of their kids at home by themselves with no food just in order to survive. That was incredible. We also had the opportunity to meet a, uh, a guy, I can't remember his name, translated, um, who was a teacher, English teacher. Um, can't remember his name. Anyway, we... Um, I'm hopefully going to get going to stay connected with this guy and, and send college students his way. But it was a pretty neat story, and I don't remember all of it to be honest. Cristobal, yeah, whatever. He uh, he was um, uh, anyway. This guy had come up with a curriculum for elementary school and different things, and I don't remember what all that consisted of. But he also would teach English. And um, some way, only God could do something like this, but actually the government of Panama had uh, approached him and was literally taking his curriculum and was going to use it in all of the schools. I mean, and he's like literally being forced into this. And he has a really small office, very few employees, and yet he is being given the opportunity to teach English and all of the schools throughout Panama and his curriculum actually uses the Bible. <laughs> That's the way he teaches these people English is through the scriptures and through the Bible. And uh, it's amazing to think your government would force you to do this, um, but, um, but that's what's happening. Only God could do something like this. And so we've actually, I've already, as a matter of fact, Jack's uh, interested in possibly going to one of the universities there and, and teaching uh, English. So that was, that was pretty, pretty neat as well to have the opportunity to talk to him. Um, any questions? Anybody have any questions? You know, one thing I was thinking when you were talking about the wind lifting you up and you were flying away, I thought, well, what if that was the rapture and your daddy ruined it for you? <laughs> uh, and what I would like for you to talk about is just tell us how, uh, Clips, in case you're not aware, Clip Suddeth and Russ Turner, the two missionaries, them and their families are there 
in uh, Panama and Costa Rica. Uh, and they're members of our church. So tell us how they're doing. Tell us a little bit about that. Just way we can be praying for them if you noticed anything. Or... Well, like I said, I would definitely just be praying for Clip and Mary. And, and Mary, um, to find some friends. I think that's what they really long for. Our, um, uh, you know, everyone speaks Spanish. And while Clip's... From what Clip says, Mary can speak really well, but she's not as confident yet. And so, um, but I think just for friendships, I mean, to me, they seem really, really lonely. When you have these four come into your house and take over for a couple of days and you're actually happy about it, (laughs) you're pretty lonely. And so, um, and so, uh, you know, I would just, I think just pray for them. Because um, that was, uh, and, and also he's, uh, he's uh, obviously training pastors and some of the th- problems that he's running into is that most of the pastors there are older and a lot of these older men though they are lack when it comes to education biblically speaking they have very little knowledge at all they've never been trained well and yet pride kind of steps in the way and, and they, they really are not looking for someone to teach them. They're the pastor. And so Clips uh, ran into that quite a bit. So I think that would also be something to, um, to be praying for. Y'all think of anything else? Um, Russ, he seemed to be doing pretty well. We weren't, we just met him kind of halfway. Um, so we, we weren't around him a whole lot, but um, Think of anything else? Well, one of the things I was interested in knowing up until, Jack, you told about the kids was what was the hardest thing you did or saw. And I have to believe that was probably at the top of the list. I know that tore me to pieces. But uh, what else would fit into that category of difficult things? I know the hike was hard. Uh, being in the wind was hard. But what, what did you see that broke your heart or... I, I'll give you time, guys, to, time to think. But the guy that uh, the guy that went with us was a pastor there, and we had no clue when we set out that morning. But our guide was sick; he was running a temperature of like 102, 103, um, deathly sick. I mean, I say that. And he made that entire trek with us. Um, there's no possible way anybody in this room could have gone through what we went through sick, as sick as he was. And he made the entire trek, and, and it was all about the gospel. You guys are here, we're gonna share the gospel no matter what. And, um, and he would actually hike way out in front of us, which kind of Again, pathetic. Uh, he's sick, but he would hike way out in front of us and just lay down. And he would sleep until we would get to him. And then he would do it again. And so that was, that was really moving to watch this guy. That was, um, that was something. The villages that we were in would have... Uh, you would just pass a house here and there, and then like the village area, there may have been uh, 50 people in those areas. But now this was out. Um, very few people had ever been there, so um, but probably 50. I was just guessing 50. 
what determined what what do you mean <laughs> no, they would they'd build a house anywhere it was um I don't know. I don't know how they necessarily acquired or claimed land. It was a reservation. It was a government reservation that had been set up for this Indian, these groups. So I don't, I don't know. What else did you see that was hard? Uh, back to Tommy's question. What impacted me the most is I saw kids my age and younger working so hard. Like when we first started, there was this little girl and she followed us like over half the way and just, she had a bag of something. I don't know what it was, but she walked the whole way. She packed her lunch and she stopped and ate on a hill and she kept walking. And then we passed another person and they had the mom and the two little kids on a horse. And then the other, there was a boy about my age and he was walking behind carrying this huge like massive like way more than he should be carrying piece of wood of stuff that he was selling and so that really impacted me because i don't even have a job <laughs> i just kind of you're gonna get one <laughs> uh. oh okay um yeah i think one of the things that um, um again with the children that was probably one of the hardest things i've ever seen in my life honestly um but something else I really noticed was we went to maybe five, six, seven or more houses on the way down to that pavilion to hear Russ and Alex speak to the people there. And at every stop, we had been told that um, these people were, the, the Nagabi Bugle are very um, stoic. They don't show many emotions at all. And that was very clear on the way down. We would stand in their front door they would greet us, and it was very, very cold expressions, and, and they were happy. They genuinely were happy to see us, um, and definitely grateful for the gifts, and they expressed that verbally, but they, they didn't show it in their face. And I think one of the things that I realized was that seeing Alex and Russ fulfilling their calling, honestly, um, teaching, seeing the connection that um, showed the, how much they cared about the people was not only evident to us, but I think it was very evident to them as well. Um, when they were preaching, maybe maybe 10 minutes into their talk, he had some of the adults laughing. And like, they were all smiling. And um, the kids, they ate it up. They loved it. But the adults, like, to watch that expression of just kind of cold turn into just this warm, like, these people care. And um, watch that happen. That was... That was something that hit me pretty hard. I cannot think of anything original. My ideas have been taken. <laughs> Did you see any animals? Yes. Gabe's question Did we see any animals? <laughs> we saw some capybaras. Uh, they're these little oversized hamster thingies, <laughs> and they run around. And we, I saw one at the park, and I was like, I just saw a capybara. I've only seen them at the zoo. Because we went about a week with Tommy ago, like before we left, and I saw one there, so I knew what it was. 
And I saw one and I was like, that is awesome. And then I saw a toucan. Anyone else? <laughs> going once, going twice. Um, Tommy. What? Gabe's got another oh, question. Oh, go ahead, Gabe. <laughs> what was the worst house you all seen? House? Um, well, the houses, that, some of the houses that Noah and I got to go to, I don't know about you guys, but were, which, they're all dirt floors, um, but they had the grass roof and so things like that. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Uh, now, here's the thing. Come, um, oh, I've forgotten when. The first full week in May, I'm going to Panama. And uh, because of the nature of the trip, I can only take one person with me. And my wife prefers it be a male. So, um, sorry, I have to limit that a little bit. Uh, but anyway, if someone would be interested, you'd like to know more about it, about the, what exactly would be taking place. It would be a little different than this type of trip. Uh, but if you'd like to know more about it, please come and see me. I'd be glad to give you information. Okay?